What if faith was just a crutch, then the psalm we're about to read would not be true. But it is true, and let's discover why. Psalm 124. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say... If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that uh, you would give us the uh, strength to understand it. Father, I pray that by your Spirit, uh, each of us would uh, hear from you this morning, that there would be no one uh, sitting in these pews who feels that they have come to church looking for a word from God, but gone away thinking that you are silent. Father, you are a speaking God, and you speak through your word. So as we read it now together and begin to think about it, I pray, Father, that you would open up our hearts to receive the seed of your word by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Perhaps uh, you are familiar with the flight data recorder that uh, is installed on the flight deck of every commercial airliner. It's on a 30-minute loop, and it records the words, of course, of the pilots and the crew and the the flight deck as they talk to each other and to the control tower and and all that, the flight data recorder, sometimes called the black box. It's a prime piece of evidence when uh, plane uh, crashes and the cause of plane crashes are investigated They dig out this black box, which is actually orange, by the way, but it's called a black box. And uh, there's one particularly famous recent um, recording of the the flight data recorder of U.S. Airways Flight 1549. Uh, It was January the 15th, 2009. The pilot did a remarkable job. Uh, They they flew into some birds, and both engines were... um, destroyed by the birds they cut out and so they had to fly back and they couldn't make any of the you know the JFK or any of the other um, airports in New York and so they had to land on the in the Hudson and they did and everyone survived and uh, it was a um, remarkable calm uh, that you hear in this pilot's voice as he he says uh, you know I'm not going to make the airport we're going in the Hudson just calm, straightforward. And it's been called the most successful ditching in aviation history, this particular one. 
Now, I begin like this because, of course, this psalm is about danger. And all of us face danger, not just, you know, in the hopeful event that will never take place when a plane goes down, but on a daily basis. Uh, The danger that you may be facing is wondering when your next job is going to come from. We live in an interesting economic time where money is a problem for some people, for whom it has never been a problem before in their lives. They've worked hard, they have a good education, and yet they don't know where the next job is going to come from. Some of us have physical challenges, uh, health challenges. Some of us have emotional issues that we, we know about, perhaps those around us don't know about. We can put on a good face when we come to church, um, but nonetheless they are there. Some of us wonder where our next sermon is going to come from, <laughs> or our next book. And if you like, this psalm is the flight data recorder that is possible for the godly person of, of David in the face of danger. He's recording how it made all the difference in the world to have that godliness, the Lord. If the Lord had not been on our side, this would have taken place. But because of his relationship with Jesus, his relationship with God, made all the difference in the world. There are no expletives in this flight data recorder. No, no fear, no worries. Uh, no sense of danger, even the face of danger. He's not just calm like that pilot. He's joyful. Uh, it was perhaps uh, recorded early in Israel's history as Israel was fighting for its very survival. We don't know for sure when it was recorded, but it's possible that the particular instance that this one refers to is in Second Samuel, Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. And there the, uh, the Philistines uh, had uh, heard that David had been anointed king. And so what they did in response is they sent their armies out to try and destroy this nascent kingdom, the newly established kingdom. And uh, David inquires of God. He looks for God and his help. And this psalm is perhaps written as a record, a flight data record of how uh, David did that and how he looked back to the difference that it made that he did that, that they were victorious. Now you see, my friends, the church is always threatened by spiritual attacks and difficulties. This side of the Jordan, this side of heaven, there is no place of perpetual peace. And the individual Christian, likewise, is always close to danger. But though that is the case, because the Lord is on our side, such danger need never be defeat. And this psalm is telling us that God is the one who rescues us from danger. Now, you may uh, record that we are in a series in the Psalms of Ascent. So we've got up to Psalm 124. Psalm 120 began this journey with a call for help from God. I call on the Lord in my distress. And then Psalm 121 took another step towards God by actually beginning, not actually only to say, Lord, help me, but look up 
past the hills to God. It was another step towards God. And Psalm 122 took the big step of saying that in the family of God's people, that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to work out my relationship with God in the family of God's people, among God's people. Psalm 123 is humble enough to actually ask for help, to ask for mercy and not to stand on what is fair or just, but instead to say, God, have mercy on me. Now, Psalm 124 is different. It's kind of moving over that edge to look back and rejoice that help was found. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven. There's a tone of rejoicing here. Their faith was not a crutch. It proved real in the face of the most difficult danger imaginable with enemies coming to destroy them physically. And now as David writes, he's saying to God's people, let Israel say, he's encouraging God's people to Sing along with him, to, to rejoice along with him. Let Israel say, when danger comes, God is the one who rescues. You don't need to panic, you don't need to be frightened. You can rejoice even in the midst of danger if, if God is indeed on your side. Now it makes two points about God's rescue from danger here. First, first point, without God... Danger becomes destruction. This is verses 1 to 5. Let me read it out for you again because it's easy when we first read it to miss the emphasis. Let me read it out with a fresh emphasis with this point. Without God, then you've got trouble. Listen to this. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, that's the first emphasis. If God was not on our side, but of course he was, so without God, becomes, without God danger becomes destruction. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, he's calling people, God's people, to see this. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose against us, then, if that had not been the case, then they would have swallowed us up alive. And then their anger, when their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us, etc., Then over us would have gone the raging waters. If, so you take away God and you still have danger, then you get destruction. So what he's saying is, without God, danger becomes destruction. It is is calling us away from a wrong kind of self-confidence. Away from a wrong kind of resting in our own power and in our own efforts. And saying that without God, danger becomes destruction. Of course, danger can come in all shapes and sizes. There was a man who was lying on his deathbed. He was at home, and he knew that he was about to, to die. He had a few days left to live. And as he was lying there, suddenly he smelt the wonderful aroma of chocolate chip cookies. He loved chocolate chip cookies more than any other food in the whole world. And these smelt so good. And so with his last bit of energy, he pulled himself out of bed and he struggled across the floor and made his way 
inch by inch down the stairs and headed towards the kitchen. And there his wife was baking cookies. Oh, they smelled so good. He reached out his hand for one. His wife took up the spatula and smacked his hand away. Leave those alone, she said. They're for the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Or we can have all kinds of fake and not real danger, humorous danger, and that's fine. But this danger actually was real. Why was it real? It's real because, verse 2, it's from people. It's from people. Can you see that? There's an ongoing contrast in this psalm between people and the Lord. This danger came from people. So at the root of this danger was the fear of man. And what is the antidote to the fear of man? The antidote here is the name of the Lord, his character, who God is, that he is loving and all-powerful. So people attack us, perhaps. People oppose us, perhaps. So this danger is real. Uh, People can be very, very nasty. But even that danger need not lead to defeat because our faith in God is more real than the opposition of a person right in front of us who is against us. But this danger is even more difficult than that. It's not only real because it's from people, it was also real because it was fueled by real anger, verse 3. Real anger. The church of God is often opposed. Why is that? Because people are angry about what it stands for. They don't like its stand for righteousness. And so Cain killed Abel. The Pharisees opposed Jesus. The Judaizers opposed Paul. There's a real opposition to the work of God. It's from people. It's fueled by anger. But this danger is ultimately real, truly real, because it's spiritual in nature. So the psalmist, I think, uses metaphors in verses 3, 4, and 5. Can you see the different metaphors he has there? And they seem to me to indicate the spiritual nature of this battle. So it was against people. It was the Philistines who were coming to attack them. But actually, as the New Testament says, our fight is not against flesh and blood. So the danger that we face as Christians is really not the people in front of us, however angry they may be, but the danger of being swallowed up alive or a flood sweeping us away or being submersed beneath raging waters. These are all archetypal pictures of rescue from Egypt and from our sin and from death to life. So they're pictures of the forces of evil that oppose the work of God, and therefore it's a very real danger. How real for someone who does not know the Lord. Perhaps you are in a a new situation whereby you feel some new danger in your life, and you're wondering, why? Perhaps the answer is that, as it were, in your own flight, data recorder of your life, God has intended this moment to bring you to the place where you realize you need help from the Lord. For now you can see that indeed, if the Lord had not been on our side, without God, danger becomes destruction. Now you can see how important it is to have a relationship with God. You're teaching on the edge, and God wants you to look at the reality of life 
Move away from the entertainment center, which tells you that faith is a crutch, and realize that actually faith is not for wimps. Muhammad Ali was taking a plane ride. The air stewardess asked him to please put on his seat belt. He refused, saying in his confidence, Superman don't need no seat belt. The air stewardess, who was very quick-witted, replied, Superman don't need no plane either. (laughs) Sometimes when we face the realities of life, we suddenly realize that we are not Superman. Takes us to our knees, makes us crack open the Bible, makes us listen in church. This reality of life that you are facing is a precursor to the ultimate reality of death. Who's going to rescue you from that raging water except God? Man is but a breath and all his devices but a dream, but the name of the Lord stands forever. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Of course, you don't need a tower unless you have a battle. So the danger is real, but rescue is is to God rescues from danger first without God danger becomes destruction danger take away God destruction why because the danger is real we're not playing here this is life and death stuff God rescues from danger first without God danger becomes destruction but then also God rescues from danger second with God danger becomes witness and this is the second half of the psalm verses six to eight can you look down at your bibles with me blessed be the lord so he's praising god and he's saying it out loud it's written down it's a witness to us of his experience blessed be the lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth He's looking back on his rescue and saying, wow. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers, a trap, a hunter's trap. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Now he realizes our help is in the name of the Lord and he's a witness to this. This Lord who made heaven and earth, the all-powerful God. Not the fake deity of whom we can make up what we like and think what we like, but the true God who made everything and has revealed himself in all creation and in his word. Just this week, another Pakistani has been murdered for opposing the Muslim blasphemy law in that country. Shabazz Bhatti. He was gunned down after leaving the home of his mother. Four months before his murder, he recorded a video interview in which he not only predicted his death, but also explained why he would not back down despite the death threats. I want to share that I believe in Jesus Christ, he said on this video interview four months before his death. I want to share that I believe in Jesus Christ who has given his own life for us. Then he carried on, I know what is the meaning of the cross 
and I am following the cross. See, when we think of witness, we tend to think of simplistic slogans or aggressive proselytism. But in Christian thought, the word witness is always connected to the expression of the cross from the experience of the cross and resurrection. That's why the early Christians could sing in prison. Why, when they were sent to jail for their uh, life and witness, they brought out new converts with them. That's why Paul rejoiced in his sufferings rather than ran away from them, for he knew they were an authenticating mark of his faith that God could use that danger to show who Jesus was through his life. Why the word for witness is the word for martyr. And why this morning this psalmist, David, is so happy at his close escape from the jaws of death. Now, he's not happy in the sense that he's just saying, oh, I'm glad I got out of that. And nor is he simply saying, why on earth did that happen? But thank goodness it's over. Now, he looks back on it and he says, blessed be the Lord. And so doing, he becomes a witness. Now, I want to tell you this morning that there is no testimony No witness like someone who's been to the edge and come back again. And in my experience, that's not just a one-off event, but a pattern. That God crushes us to reveal to us who He is, and therefore through us who He is as a witness to others. Is that your experience too? Now, in light of that, I have to say I look at this and I think He sounds a bit too chirpy and chipper for my taste. He seems a bit like the fake witness of someone who just says, praise the Lord, I'm really depressed. Wonderful. Praise the Lord, I've got cancer. Great. Praise the Lord, I've just broken up with my girlfriend. Praise the Lord, I go back home to an empty house rattling around on my own. Praise the Lord, I have no idea who I am or what I'm meant to be doing. But actually, he's still real even here. The exclamation marks make it appear a bit chipper and breezy, perhaps. But, of course, they are not in the original. And when you look carefully at the text itself, can you see when you look down? You can see that even as he witnesses now about what God has done for him, blessed be the Lord, he doesn't hide how terrible it all was. He doesn't say, oh, it was easy with God on my side. No! He was prey in their teeth, being chewed up. He was a snare, like a bird caught in that hunter's trap. This was never pretty and perfect. It was bloody and ghastly. But not anymore. God rescued him from danger. And as he did, danger then became a witness, the flight data recorder of witness. I remember the remarkable experience of going to the family of a young man who had just heard that uh, this young man had fallen off a mountain in India, thousands of feet below. And he had lain there strewn and broken and been rushed to hospital. And they had no idea whether he would live or die at that point. 
And I went with my pastoral tears, ready to sit and weep with the family while they waited in the agony of being thousands of miles away from a loved one. And I found as I went in that the family were gathered around together with a guitar, singing worship songs. Such have Christians always been. Hymns in jail, songs in the night. Blessed be the Lord as he rescues. Sometimes the rescue is healing or a miraculous new job the next day. But the real rescue is the change of heart. Truly is. Because without that, the new job or even the healing can lead to just yet more trouble. So that young man was not healed. I visited him when he came back to America in hospital. He was paraplegic. He had had countless well-meaning people coming to pray for his healing. And I prayed too, but I told him there might be a bigger healing plan that God had for him. And indeed now he is a witness from his wheelchair One of the most powerful I have ever met. And I defy any postmodern secularist or Islamicist to present me with a man who has the power to embrace the cross like that. For with God, danger, the dangers of our life become witness. We realize that God rescues us from danger. He uses the danger to reshape us and change us and realize that it's God that life is about. The danger shakes us, it rattles us, it exposes the foundations of our life. And so the message of this sermon is to use that to discover God again, the name of the Lord, who He is, His character, how important He is, to record on your flight data recorder a hymn of praise as you go through that process. You never know, it might be the most powerful thing you ever did. For of course, this psalm has an even bigger resonance. It points us to the cross and beyond to living in the light of the resurrection for the Christian. It seems to me that Paul was thinking of this psalm and its meaning when he wrote the famous words, what then shall we say to these things? all the trouble, all the danger. And he answered, if God is for us, who can be against us? How do you know that God is for you? How do you know that the Lord is on your side? You know because despite all this evidence of difficulty and danger and trauma and personal troubles around the world, information and news and all that stuff, despite that, you have a message in the cross that outweighs it all. God is on your side, his covenant people. If God is for us, and he is, who can be against us? You know how it carries on? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's great logic, isn't it? If God has given us his own son, 
give us everything. He's only delaying the blessing. He's not withholding it. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect, his chosen people? It's God who justifies, that is, declares right and free from condemnation. Therefore, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In other words, Jesus is the judge, but Jesus is the Savior. There is no condemnation left. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. For the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator, church, is on your side. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together. And in the silence, let's uh, review the flight data recorder of our mind. And write on it instead the words of the psalm. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, but he is. And therefore, blessed be the Lord, because our help is in the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? Jesus. Amen.